Warning. The stories in this podcast contain depictions of violence and suggestive themes. Listener discretion is advised. BLF agent in charge 0602 filing report for project 1980 codenamed broken the energy signatures of the unknown subject resonate at 98% in this timeline pattern protocol alpha 4 confirms matching energy source BLF scientists revealed today that they are close to deciphering the glyphs that surround the viewing portal of the anomaly the words Eldritch Sight and Void Eye confirm the artifact's origin as the Void. The Void, unlike the Heavens, Hell, or the Felwild, exists only in the spaces between reality. This confirms that the accuracy of the reports to be greater than 99%. Security Control Protocol Omega initiated until the unknown subject of the disturbances is caught or contained. The BLF cannot be anything other than reactive at this point. We don't have the information necessary to take preventative steps. I've been asked to break down the current roster of agents under my watch into several splinter cells in the event of a total failure or breach of security. The tension in the office is palpable. The unknown is the worst kind of fear. We know it's going to be bad, but I fear that we will be put to the test. Soon. Broken. File 302 begin. Subject Aaron Rathman faces his greatest challenge yet. A simple act of violence opens the floodgates into a dark future. A line is crossed and consequences ripple throughout the city of Highbridge. Broken. File 302. End of report. Are you sure you're okay today, Dad? I've had better days, but this one sucked pretty bad. 
The adrenaline rush of my drive home had left me feeling drained. I had to save my strength. It was gonna be a long night. You mind if I turn on the news? I'm supposed to give a report on current events tomorrow for school. Sure, bud. Go ahead. And now, local news. Police were called to the scene of a savage beating. 50-year-old Highbridge High School teacher Jacob Walls was found by a local resident mm. who was out for an How about you watch that in your room? Sure, I guess. You're, you're headed out later? I might meet up with some of the guys from work later. Why? You look like you had a stressful day. Is Uncle Brad gonna be there? God damn it. I felt that other part of me start to creep back towards the surface. I struggled to keep my breathing under control. Dad, are you... Fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, the dish slipped, that's all. Go ahead and head up to your room. I'll finish cleaning up. I'll see you tomorrow. Marcus hung in the doorway for a second. I could see glossy wetness reflected in his eyes. I gave him my best fake smile as I picked up the broken pieces and watched as he silently disappeared into the darkness of that house. Apparently I'm failing as a husband, friend, and father. Time to take back control and set things back on track. Like when I took care of that piece of shit in the car behind us. I finished cleaning up the kitchen and left out a side door into the garage. I turned on the light to search for a few tools I'd need for tonight's rendezvous. Dust and cobwebs decorated the corners. It took me a minute to find the box I was looking for. It had the words painting supplies written in loopy feminine handwriting across it. Another wellspring of hate bubbled beneath the surface. The feminine handwriting was a reminder that Brad wasn't the only one to blame in all this. Helen was Marcus's mother, but she was also the source of his misery for the last few years. A constant barrage of snide comments and put-downs were a daily occurrence. Not just from her, but her whole family. Her entire family was a train wreck. I swear my father-in-law, well, ex-father-in-law, cried tears of joy at his own wife's funeral. I held the white clean room suit in my hands. I had to wear protective clothing like this when dealing with hazardous chemicals at work. It covered the whole body, except the hands and feet. It also didn't leave any trace residue behind. I had the matching polyvinyl gloves and shoe coverings as well. I would have my revenge. But I couldn't take care of Marcus from inside a cell. I saw 
something else out of the corner of my eye. It was beautiful in the subdued light. I walked over to my workbench and reached out. A familiar wood-smooth texture caressed my skin and embraced my Louisville slugger like a long-lost friend. I knew where to park so that I would be out of the way. Ash was one street away and bathed in darkness. The shadows covered me as I walked down the sidewalk and cut over to Elm. I slung a small black bag around my shoulders and did the best I could to conceal the bat next to my body. The sky was overcast. The night held its breath in anticipation of the coming storm. I saw Brad's car parked in the driveway behind Helen's. I felt my face and hands go numb. There was always a small part of me that wanted it not to be true. That it was me that was the problem. Time to become a problem solver rather than the problem. The voice was right, but I had to know for sure. I stuck to the dark areas and circled around to the side of the house. The backyard wasn't big. I stopped just out of view and watched them through the large bay window. Apparently, Brad was hilarious. I could make out Helen laughing through the window. Would you look at that? That's happiness. You know, they might actually be good for one another. Oh, they deserve each other. <laughs> My chest was tight. It was hard to breathe. I wanted them to pay for every second of betrayal. I gently placed the bat on the grass and pulled the clean suit from the bag. It slid silently over the top of my clothes. I pulled on the gloves and flexed my fingers. The shoe coverings fit tight over my boots. I picked up my bat and stood. Let's go through the side door. We know she doesn't check a door lock that isn't the front one. The voice was right again. The door handle turned, and the door swung inward. Brad and Helen's conversation became clear as I moved into the house. All he does is sit on the porch up at the cabin and drink. 
My sister moved in with him because he wasn't taking care of himself. Did you get enough to eat? I'm stuffed. I probably still have room enough to make you dessert later. <laughs> Stop it! You're bad! What's wrong? How are we gonna tell? Aaron! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm afraid Aaron isn't here right now! <laughs> but I was. I was watching the tragedy that was my life play out. Only this time, I found a way to correct my world when it went wrong. I loved the rush of adrenaline. I could feel their fear as eyes wandered from my appearance to the wooden bat in my hands. Aaron, what the fuck do you think you're doing in my house? Get out! Uh, hey, take it easy, man. You're probably wondering what I'm doing here. I- Shut up, Brad! Aaron, get out of my house! I'm calling the cops! No, wait a minute. You can't- I swung the bat in a hard overhand swing. Brad barely got his hand up in time. It temporarily saved his life at the cost of every bone in his wrist shattering. Get away from me! Uh, Brad, I'm gonna need you to stay put. Hey, Helen. We need to have a talk. The house plunged into darkness as the storm raged outside. I stalked through the rooms. Every step increased my anger. Why was this bitch hiding from me? I'm sure that we could work everything out if I could just have a moment of her time. I can understand a momentary lapse of reason. Everyone makes bad decisions now and again. I felt the intentions of this voice of reason inside my head. It had a lot of good ideas on how to solve many of my problems. Permanent solution to these... These... Temporary setbacks. I can't say that I disagreed too much. The results brought a level of satisfaction that I had been missing this past year. I felt in control. Alive. <laughs> I see you. Get away! Please leave me alone! <laughs> It's a celebration. There's so much to be thankful for. I don't think I'm being unreasonable. Aaron, please. I should have told you about me and Brad sooner, but I'm pregnant. I'm not fucking unreasonable. <laughs> 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 
I saw the bat rise and fall. It cut through the air and connected with the side of Helen's head. The light left her eyes immediately. Her brains and what was left of her excuses splattered against the wall. I lost my breath at the viciousness of it all. The beating didn't stop until the entire room was painted red. I felt like I was just along for the ride. Something escaped Helen's chest that looked like smoke ascending towards the ceiling. I reached out and grabbed a hold of her wispy bit of soul. The smoky haze shuddered in my grasp. Helen's screams of terror echoed from far away. I marveled at holding on to the essence of life. There was no denying it. I felt like a god amongst mortals. <laughs> no, we are god amongst mortals. Helen's soul pulsed for a moment and then absorbed into my body. Pure ecstasy flooded my body. I never felt anything like this in my life. Gives them that tasty motherly glow. <laughs> I stood for a moment, letting the feeling wash over me. The rush of power was undeniable. Blood slowly dripped from the ceiling. It was a grisly scene framed by the stormy night. Bits of flesh hung off picture frames and the dresser. I wiped her hair and skull fragments off the bedspread. There was work left to be done. I walked back to finish the conversation with my best friend Brad, but he wasn't where I left him. The front door stood open. Rain soaked the floor. I walked over and peered out into the night. Brad's car sat silent in the driveway. I turned my attention back to the inside of the house. Brad, it seemed, recovered enough and tackled me to the ground. You killed her. You bastard. Normally, Brad would easily take me in a fight, but I could tell he was hurt. He was at a disadvantage with a broken wrist and broken or cracked ribs. His misfortunes were my game. I thrust my hips and sent him crashing into the glass coffee table. I stood and brought my boot down onto his chest. 
I felt the bones give way and watched him curl into a ball. I retrieved the Louisville slugger and steadied my shaking hands. The amount of adrenaline pumping through my system brought flashes to my eyes with every beat of my heart. Behold, I am the rider on the hill, and death follows me. I crown Brad's face into the broken glass. I held his head in place as I thumped the bat across his ribcage. Once, twice, three times. I could barely hear his ragged breathing over the sounds of the storm. I raised my weapon high into the air, ready to strike the killing blow. I held it there for a moment, knowing victory was inevitable. I eased the pressure off Brad's face and lowered the bat. A quick death wouldn't suffice. It wouldn't make us square. It wasn't enough. I bent down and stared into his eyes. Flashing images of him and Helen together rolled through my head. I immediately understood that it was my job to ensure that he suffered. I stood and kicked his face as hard as I could. The toe of my boot broke the bridge of his nose and caved in the front of his face. I calmly took a seat in the chair across from him and watched as Brad choked to death on bits of broken glass, bone, and his own blood. The bat rested gently on my lap. A thin wisp rose from the body. As I reached out my hand, it curled around my fingers and absorbed into my chest. That same euphoria rushed across my body. This time though, I felt the voice pull away and the sense of dread washed over me. The smell of rain mixed with the faint iron odor. My euphoria turned to anxiety, which turned to panic. I stood up, and the back clattered to the floor. Gore and viscera dripped from my protective garments. I felt like I had bathed in violence. I ran out of the house and into the night. The rain was cold, and I took shelter underneath a tree and stripped my outerwear back into the black canvas backpack. I, I needed to burn this evidence as quick as possible. I needed to get back home.
I took a few minutes to collect my thoughts before turning the key. I felt the full weight of my choices and didn't know if I would be able to hold up. I looked up into the rearview mirror and saw a maniacal grin staring back at me. Oh, don't worry, Aaron. This is only the beginning. There's much, much more for us to do. Trust me. Supplemental Report Priority Routine for BLF Committee Review File Name The Next Guest The following was recorded on William thinks he's lucky Lily thinks she's found someone to fulfill a dark secret A date night goes from bad to worse Who will make it out alive? The only one who knows for sure is the old lady at the top of the stairs the chaotic energy signature found here provides correlation with Adding report to case file 1980. End of report. No, I'm serious. You're too good for karaoke. You need to make something out of this voice. You would say that to anyone who let you follow them to the parking lot. You make me sound like a creep. <laughs> you are a creep, but a good kind of creep. <laughs> I think we have fun together. Do we? Let's get you out of here. Let me take you to your Airbnb. I'll just call an Uber. You've been drinking, too. Yeah, but not that much. I'm not even drunk. See? I can touch my nose. I can touch your nose. Stop! No! What else can you touch? I like you. I don't want our night to end. What will we do with the rest of our night? Let me get you back to where you're staying. We'll figure it out from there. If at any point during the night you want to stop, or you want me to go, just say so. I'd like that.
This part of town doesn't even look safe. The price was right, though. Only 30 bucks a night. You can barely see the house from the road, and there's an abandoned... What's that sign say? An abandoned tattoo parlor blocking it? Looks safe to me. The street lights are out, too. Hold on. <laughs> Let me use the light on my phone. <laughs> there we go. Come on, scaredy cat. We'll be fine. But bring your light. It looks dark. This house felt wrong. The entryway was narrow. My shoulders nearly touched the walls. A door to our left was locked. A dark set of stairs went to the second floor. And another narrow hallway was on our right. I looked back at Lily. She looked so pretty. And a little buzzed. I knew she liked me. I needed to get over myself. This was in the bag already. And I knew one thing. Confidence. Women liked confidence. Besides, this wasn't the worst place I'd ever been. Follow me. Lead the way, handsome. The inside of the house was dark. Everything seemed oppressive, even the air. Every breath I took almost compressed my chest. There was an odd smell, but I couldn't put my finger on it. The hallway was dingy, with a fine layer of dust on the floor and baseboards. We passed a common kitchen. The stove looked like it was from the 1950s. Dirty dishes were piled in the sink. They didn't smell, but looked messy. My mind played tricks with the shadows as I swear I saw them move unnaturally. I must have been standing there a moment too long. Lily grabbed my butt and pushed me forward. I laughed as we moved and she squeezed. The hall turned sharply to the left and then again to the right before dead ending. The three doors on the left were closed. The one on the right was open with the light turned off. What was your room number again? Um, I was in the flower room. Each door had a sign with a picture on the outside. Treehouse, leaf, garden, flower. I walked down to the last room on the left marked flower and tried the handle. Locked. Uh, it's, it's locked. Well, this one's open. Let's go in here. But that's not... Her lips met mine in a deep, passionate kiss. I could feel her hands starting to explore my body. She pulled me into the open room onto the right. I closed the door behind us and turned on the light. A bed, a small dresser with a mirror attached, and that's about it. A single towel with a washcloth sat atop of the bed. Strange that the room had no windows. I was about to check the closet, but she pounced on me kissing and tearing at my clothes. Hurry up, big boy. Oh, what sights I have to show you. I smiled, kissed her deeply, pulling up her shirt to touch her breasts. Supple, soft skin, everything I imagined about her. I moaned in the kiss and slid my hands down to cup her ass. 
I lifted her since she was shorter than me and our kiss got deeper. In a moment of inspiration, I decided to throw her on the bed. To hell with chivalry. No! Lily, no, no, no. A metal spike was sticking from her throat. What the fuck just happened? I pulled out my cell and tried to call 911. Shit, 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 shit. Uh, come on. Damn it. What the fuck? Come on. I needed to get outside. I tried to open the door and needles shot into my hand. Uh, oh, what the hell? Watched four large needles retract back into the doorknob as the door popped open. My hand felt like it was on fire. I grabbed the towel off the bed and wrapped my hand in it. Pulled the door the rest of the way open with my foot. The doors across the hall were ajar now. I pushed open the flower room door across from me. The light streaming behind me revealed a room of horrors. A guy was strapped to the bed with his skin sliced open, and some of it was pulled back to show his insides. Blood was everywhere. I quickly closed the door. This is all a dream. It's all a bad dream. I froze for a moment in terror at the sounds coming from the other room. I moved towards the door to close it. I only caught a brief glimpse of what was inside. It looked like a giant, hairless dog was eating a pile of meat. It's what I told myself until I saw one of the victim's bare feet fall to the floor with a soft thud. I made my way back down the hallway towards the door, my phone light shaking in my one good hand. Large nails were now sticking out the side of my ankle, forearm and side. My anxiety levels were through the roof. The only thing that got me to my feet was adrenaline and the need to get myself out of this house. My head against a wall when I heard the sound of a lamp switching on upstairs. Oh, hello? Is someone there? I need help. I reached the top of the stairs and I saw an old lady with a cane coming out of a room. She shut the door behind her and looked at me. Thank God, I need help. I met Lily at a bar and she said she was staying here. She died, I don't know what happened. One minute she was in my arms and the next. And there are dead people downstairs and some kind of animal. I never saw the hit coming. The old lady's cane struck me in my temple and then she pushed me while I was off balance. I couldn't feel my hands or feet as I lay at the stairs bottom. Her footsteps creaked on each step as she descended to meet me. My entire body felt like it was on fire. 
Everything that could hurt did. There are many things I've had to put up with in my lifetime. I do not tolerate surprises or bad news very well anymore. I was surprised to see you at the top of my stairs. The guests are specifically told not to come up the stairs. And then, after violating that rule, you tell me that my daughter, my Lillian, is dead? Who's going to help me clean up now? I tried to respond, but could only sit there and whimper from the pain and the paralysis. I've been teaching her for years how to lure men back here and feed our special friends. They're from the hells and have quite the appetite. (laughs) They look and act like dogs, but I can assure you... They are not. The shock of the fall was starting to wear off. The tingling in my hands and feet let me know that the paralysis was only temporary. I could hear the first creature coming down the hallway. The second one, though, was much closer. Teeth and fangs shot out of the darkness as the old lady walked back up the stairs. Please, God, no! New Discoveries was written by Arthur Unk and performed by Tanner Wood with an original score produced by J.M. Scherf. The Awakening Part 2 was written by Arthur Unk, performed by J. Philip Morris, T.J. Hodder, and Rebecca Mersinger. Musical arrangements by C.M. Peters. The Next Guest was written by Arthur Unk, performed by Rebecca Mersinger, Arthur Unk, and Katie Tatry. Musical arrangements and episode artwork by C.M. Peters. We here at the BLF are excited to present the Broken series throughout Season 3. We have partnered with some amazing individuals like J.M. Scherf and Arthur Unk, who are just as passionate about providing a platform for creative minds as we are. I can never say enough wonderful things about the community of self-dubbed baseliners we have built on our Discord server. Truly a welcoming collection of creative minds. Consider joining us there if you have creative ideas, need inspiration, or maybe hop in on some game nights we host on a regular basis. Finally, we do want to send a special thank you to our patrons. Your contributions to the BLF really do keep the lights on. All the eternal love and appreciation to you guys. We're always looking to support new voice actors, writers, and producers. Please reach out via email if you have any interest in contributing to the show. All the links you'll ever need are in the show notes.